into the end of April and into May and June, and I am glad to be with you. We've been talking this year about listening, listening for learning and for love. And I found this small inset um, in the Old Testament in Genesis about Abraham, and who was a great man of faith, and his children. And so I want to read to you from Genesis 21, two verses, 17 and 18. And God heard the voice of the boy, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you? Do not be afraid, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Come, lift up the boy, hold him fast with your hand, for I will make a great nation of him. So I, I want to give you a little contextual paragraph or two about what's going on. Abraham, great man of faith, if you have been to church ever, you've probably heard the name Abraham, and he had two sons, Isaac, the son the Lord promised to Sarah, who came in his old age, and Ishmael, the son of Sarah's servant, Hagar. When Sarah suddenly became very jealous of Hagar, she had Abraham send Hagar and Ishmael away. And it's quite a poignant few verses I'd like to read them to you. The child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the day Isaac was weaned. But Sarah, his wife, saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had born to Abraham, playing with her son Isaac. And she said to Abraham, Cast out this slave woman with her son, for the son of this slave woman shall not inherit along with my son Isaac. I have to stop there because when I was reading this, I thought, that that could you could take that sentence and put it into any modern language. Those kids aren't playing with my kids. Uh, they're not going to have any influence on me. In this case, of course, Abraham has done what was common, wrong, but common in those days. Sarah didn't have any children. He needed some heirs, and so he went to the Egyptian um, slave girl. And now Sarah's putting her foot down and saying, cast him out. The matter was very distressing to Abraham on account of the son. But God said to Abraham, Do not be distressed because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to do, do as she tells you. For it is through Isaac that the offering shall be named for you. As for the son of the slave woman, I will make a nation of him also, because he is your offspring." So Abraham rose early in the morning, took bread 
and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder along with the child and sent her away. And she departed and she wandered about in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she cast the child under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite of him a good way off, about the distance of a bow shot, and she said, Do not let me look on the death of the child. And as she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and wept, and God heard the voice of the boy, and the angel of God called Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Do not be afraid, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Come, lift up the boy, hold him fast with your hand, for I will make a great nation of him. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. She went, filled the skin with water, and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy, and he grew up. He lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. He lived in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother got a wife for him from the land of Egypt. Wow. That is a bizarre story in the 21st century, isn't it? Um, you're, the man has an affair. There's a child. He sends him out. Mm, that would never happen today, would it? But the important piece here is that Hagar, who has done everything she's been called to do, she is a servant. She's been a servant to Abraham. She, she fathered a child, which is what he wanted to do. And now Sarah gets into this and says, um, nope, we, we can't have this, and you've got to get rid of her. And you've got to get rid of the child. And then she cries out to God because she can't bear the fact that he may die of really dehydration, die of thirst. And as she prays, she recognizes that God has heard her prayer, and she looks up, and there's a well of water. He listens to us. He listens to us. The God I follow and pray to listens. He always listens. He always listens because he is omnipresent. And he is always in touch with his children. He delights in receiving our praise and our worship. He knows and comforts our heartaches and sorrows and tears. And God listens to you. God listens to you. The Bible records many places where God hears our prayers. Hannah, who prayed for a child. She prayed so vehemently and so hard, and she was so desperate that the, the priest in the church thought that she was drunk at three in the afternoon. She was so intense with her prayer. And, and God provided Samuel. Samuel became her son. In Psalm 116, verses 1 and 2, it says, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my supplications, because he has inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I shall call upon him as long as I shall live. I struggle sometimes with knowing God hears my voice, I'm wondering what he's going to do. I had a young man in my study a couple of days ago, and he was talking about the audible voice of God. And there were a number of people in his life who had told him that they heard God say. And he said, 
I, I don't believe I've ever heard God say anything. And we, we had a wonderful discussion about how God speaks to us, how he speaks to us through the Psalms, through the books of the Bible, through prayer, through others, through Christian literature. God speaks to us. But the real reality of God speaking to us is not near as important as the assurance that when we speak to him, he hears us. He hears us. David in the Psalms 6 says, God heard my distress. My soul is in anguish. My bones are in agony. I am worn out from groaning. The Lord has heard my cry for mercy. He ends in verses 8 and 9. The Lord has heard my cry for mercy. God listens. God listens. I would go, and in the Old Testament, this day we're together, and in Exodus 2, verses 23 and 24, I read, I'll read them too. After a long time, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned under the slavery and cried out. Out of the slavery, their cry for help rose up to God. God heard their groaning and remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God looked upon the Israelites and God took notice of them. That, that, is, that is my key point. God took notice of them. And then he did something about it. He did what he wanted to do about it. So, how is it that we come to God? What kind of conversations do you have? Do you ask? Do you tell? Do you explain? Are you the person who is distraught as David was in anguish and agony and you cry out from groaning and you cry out for mercy? God intends for us to receive his goodness through the knowledge that he is listening that he's listening now we've been talking about listening these last months and Norm Wakefield who is a professor was a professor at a seminary Phoenix Seminary here in, in Arizona he says there are two styles of listening one is ineffective unskilled unmotivated or the other is perceptive skilled and motivated. I want you to know that Norm's two styles of listening, God is very perceptive. God is very skilled. He is very motivated. He is the perfect listener because he's our father and he loves us. Now, listening and being heard may not be enough for you. Uh, I say that a little tongue-in-cheek. And that is, sometimes I think we expect God to give us an audible answer. Or we certainly expect God to make a move. Make a move. Let's do something about this right now. That's not a good young man for my young daughter. How, how can, move. We separate them now. We pray prayers like that. But I think I'm trying to help you see that God does hear you. God does listen. And he is the omnipotent, all-powerful, omniscient, knows everything, and omnipresent, always there. And what God chooses to do is a better choice than what we choose to do.
Now, I receive prayer requests every day from people, people who are in our listening audience, people who are in my life, people who are close to me. A dear friend is having a biopsy on Friday. Would I pray? Of course I'll pray for Jeff. Of course I'll pray for him. But when I pray, I pray to a God who listens and hears and is in charge. Now, when it comes to people listening, listeners and lovers attract people. Listeners and lovers attract people. And I think this is a time for all of us to discover whether there is a need in our lives to be better listeners. And I want to go one step further and say, do you love the people you listen to? Do you care about them? Do you genuinely care about them? We've done a number of broadcasts in these last months on listening, and I would recommend that you go to our free resource and look at the Sacred Listening 10 Steps, steps that prove that we need to be active in our listening. I have a dear friend who I've been meeting with in direction now for over 20 years, and she loves me. Oh my, I'm so grateful for her love. But when I am with her, I recognize that her listening gives me place for expression. Did you, did you hear that? Her listening gives me place for expression, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Her listening helps me talk about my problems and the decisions that I am making. Her listening helps me express unselfish love. How could someone's listening help me do these things? It, her listening helps me remember how wise she is and that this is an opportunity for her to give me wise counsel. If I keep talking, I, I can't hear what's valuable inside of her. And there have been many times when I thought, oh, I wish I'd stopped talking five minutes earlier so I could have gotten five minutes more of her wise counsel. And lastly, lastly, I think listening says what God says to me about listening, and that is that I'm very valuable to him. I'm very, very valuable to God, very precious to God. So I'm asking you today, do you believe, do you understand how much God loves you and how much his love will allow you to find change. His love will allow you to express the real heart that you sometimes do not even know how you feel about. His love will allow you to discuss with him everything large and small and wait being in his presence. It is a formidable thing that we have been given the realization that the one true living God listens to us. Sometimes when I'm in a quiet place with God, a prayerful place, I am stunned, bowled over, that I, mere Donna Otto, has the ear of the one true living God. So I commend to you today that God listens, God hears you, and it matters to him. We are Modern Homemakers, and I am Donna Otto. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day of noticing God's 
listening.